Morning, everybody. Thank you. That's a warm welcome. Um, if you have never been here before, or if you've been here the past couple weeks, you have not heard our pastor, Pastor Roy Stevenson, in a while. He has been here, but he's, this is the second Sunday, I think, that he's gone. He's still on vacation, which is wonderful. So next week, Mia Nogler is speaking again, which will, will be amazing. But then the week after that, Pastor Roy will be back. So you'll get to have a really good meal that Sunday. But um, yes, hello, welcome. I'm Brittany Brink. If you have never met me before, I have the privilege of overseeing kids ministry. It's been a while um, doing that, and that's amazing. And um, But so we're in a series, the beautiful series. I get, or the beautiful community series. I get to land the plane today. I get to end this series, which is super fun. I'm talking about hope today. We are a hopeful community. Now, if you're like me, if you're like, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, you know, this whole community thing is wonderful, beautiful. Um, but it'd be a lot easier if it didn't involve so many people, right? Like, like sometimes it's just complicated, right? But here's the thing. Our undeserved, unearned salvation comes from Jesus alone. But this journey of our faith, that, uh, I'm getting teary already. This journey of our faith, this walk in our life, our walk with Jesus, is rarely ever traveled alone. I say rarely because you, we can choose to travel it alone if we want, but that's not healthy. The most healthy way to walk out our faith and journey with Jesus is in a local church, in the midst of a community. It's complicated, it's hard, right? And it's beautiful, like we're encouraging, we're a encouraging, worshiping community, all these, just Karen knocked it out of the park last week, so good. But it's also tricky at times, right? This journey, we need each other to spur each other on, to rub each other the wrong way sometimes and work through it. It's all good and healthy. So I'm talking about hope. So let's pray real quick. Jesus, thank you this morning. Thank you for being here already. Thank you for your devotion and your commitment to us. We love you, Jesus. My job is just to speak today, you come, do what only you can do. You move in our hearts, you change our hearts, you open up our eyes, do all of that this morning. We love you, Jesus, and bless Pastor Roy and Chris and their family on that vacation. I think they're even, maybe they're driving today. Just give them traveling mercies, angels around their vehicles, get them home safe and rested, God. We love you, amen. So I wanna uh, make something super <laughs> clear right off the bat, hope. I really think that hope has been dwindled down, like the word hope has been dwindled down to a puny little tiny four-letter four word that you, <laughs> I see it like in this day and age, it's been dwindled down to like, I just see it like on a plaque, hope, laughter, love, made into a plaque and sold at the dollar store. This is like what I feel like in this day and age, it's kind of like what hope is. Like someone not from here, not even from this country actually, so just heard that I was speaking and they're like, oh, what are you speaking on? I'm like, oh, I'm talking about hope. They're like, oh, that's so nice. And like, which it is, it's like, oh, hope is such a nice thing to talk about. Mia got reconciliation. <laughs> but I get hope, yay, that's so nice. And it made me think like, yeah, like hope, hope is like, oh, yay, it seems so nice. 
But that kind of hope, like sold on, at, on a plaque sold at the dollar store, is like wishful hope. It's based off of our wishful thinking. It's like, I hope I win the lottery, the jackpot. You're actually more likely to get struck by lightning. Yeah. <laughs> like this is, or like go to the moon. That's what I heard. Like you're actually more likely to go to the moon. I'm never going to the moon. So like, I don't have a desire. My husband has a desire, but I'm not going to let him go to the moon. But I don't, we're actually more likely, the jackpot, that's what I mean, the jackpot lottery. The big, the big money or whatever, we're more likely to get struck by lightning. So this wishful hope, that is not what I'm talking about today. The hope that I'm talking about is this biblical hope, a certain hope that is strong. It is fierce. It is joyful. It is beautiful. It is secure. It is the anticipation of something good to come because we know how the story ends. Love that last song. I didn't know, I, oh, I didn't know they were gonna sing that. But our hope today as followers of Jesus is the anticipation of something out of this world good because we know how this story ends despite of what's going on. So when I talk about, when we talk about hope today, that's the hope I'm talking about, not the puny hope on a dollar store plaque, okay? This hope that we have. So hope is, in your notes, I didn't do fill in the blank because Mia was the only one that raised her hand last time I spoke. So I'm like, I'm not doing that work of that. So (laughs) hope is, the first point, hope is, what is really cool about hope is that even though like it's strong and secure and all that, it's still abstract, right? It's an abstract term, even though it's like, okay, we have this hope. So what is hope actually? I think it's very cool that the Bible gives us an object. I Love, oh, you already put it up. You gave it away. That's wonderful, Shannon. Good job. (laughs) I love this verse about, uh, I wrote it in in the card of all my bridesmaids and I got them an anchor, all of them an anchor necklace. And I just love this verse so much. And it was like a memory verse of mine. So I encourage you this week, Hebrews 6, 19, let this be your memory verse. Memory verses should not be just what we do down in school age. Let it be your memory verse for this week because when we get, I always say to the kids, we're not just getting the the Bible into our head, we're getting it into our hearts, into who we are. So this verse is only one sentence. The kids memorize way more than that. (laughs) So this verse is, we have this hope, as in, for our souls, firm and secure. Let's let's all say that together because this is the word of God. (laughs) We have this hope, as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. That is such a good verse. And now we are anchored, so our hope, we can think of it as an anchor, but where are we anchored? We are anchored nowhere here. The Bible actually tells us where are we anchored. The verses around, I think it's in your notes, but maybe not, maybe I left this one out, but the verses that are around this verse actually tells us, it says this hope that we have, it enters the inner sanctuary where Jesus, our forerunner, went before us and is seated next to the, at the right hand of God. That's what it says at the end of these verses. So our hope is actually in heaven. And there's another verse, Colossians 1, 3 through 6. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope that's stored up for you, where? In heaven. Our hope as followers of Jesus is in nothing that we see here, which is like, whew, you know, a sobering thought, but also, hallelujah, 
Our hope is in nothing that we see here. It can't be in our careers, in our bank accounts, in our really amazing spouse, in our kids, in our successes or whatever. Our hope is in heaven. It's actually stored up in heaven. Paul says, I don't, I don't remember where, I don't have it in my notes, but like, we don't hope for things that we already have. We hope for what's to come. Our hope is for what's to come. It's, out, it's beyond us. Our hope is stored up in heaven. Our hope is there with Jesus. Our hope is Jesus. It's actually the person of Jesus. At the end of our lives, it's Jesus. He is our reward. It's nothing else. It's not even heaven. Like it's not all the glorious things that the Bible tells us about heaven. It's not even that he becomes our, uh, he is our reward. Our hope is in him. So that's where our, our hope is like an anchor. And we are anchored where? In heaven with Jesus. And what's really cool is the Bible also says that Jesus is at the right hand of God and he's continually interceding for us. Isn't that great? He actually intercedes for us. So, but what do we do? When we have lost hope, when we have put our hope in the wrong place, I was thinking like, where, how do I phrase this? But where is the birthplace of this kind of hope? A hope that's like anchors us, a good strong hope. Where is the birthplace of this? I'm super excited to read what I'm about to read to you. Um, it's in Acts. Now, Acts, or sorry, not Acts. It's in Luke. Luke is one of Jesus's disciples. Um, and uh, so in Luke, it says, it, he's like, it's like the crucifixion, Jesus' death, and then his resurrection, like the Easter story, right? So his resurrection, and it's that same day, you know, the resurrection, he, he, he resurrects. <laughs> and then Mary uh, goes to the tomb to, she was gonna do some things, and she's like, oh my goodness, there's an angel, an angel appears to her, and she's like, he's alive, or the angel said he's alive. So she, that whole story, and then she comes back to the disciples and are like, he's, she's like, that angel told me he's alive, I saw him, ah! And the disciples, there's actually a verse that says like, they thought she was nuts. It didn't say that, but they thought she was kind of crazy, but someone didn't think she was crazy. Peter it said, Peter got up at once and went to see. So he goes and sees, and it, uh, he, didn't, he doesn't see anything. But what's after that in Luke is really interesting. If you've been around, you're gonna know what I'm about to read. I'm gonna read a lot of Bible unapologetically right now, okay? This story is so good. Okay, Luke 24, 13 to 35. We're thinking, what is, where's the birthplace of hope? On that same day, so Easter, Easter morning, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. That, so that's like, I think if I'm doing the calculation right, it's like about a, like a little over two hour walk, like from here to like Quinzin, a little further around there. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Their Messiah died. So they're talking about all this stuff. Um, where am I? As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. They have lost hope. Like, let's really think about this. They were with Jesus and then he dies. They've lost hope. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? I appreciate this disciple. <laughs> because here they are walking along, just got a, you know, a two-hour uh, two walk, and some dude comes along and goes, you know, so what are you guys talking about? And they're like, 
I can just see, like it says, they stood still, their faces downcast. I could see Cleopas or whatever his name is going like, has your head been in the mud? Like, have you not been around to hear what has happened these days? And Jesus says, what things? He asks, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What is more, it's the third day that all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions, Peter, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. He said, Jesus, he said to them, how foolish you are. How slow to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. This sentence is very important. Jesus chose not to, I don't really know why, chose not to reveal himself right away. He like, got obviously shut their eyes in a way that they didn't recognize him. But Jesus, so he's like, hey, that didn't the, didn't the, did not the Messiah have to suffer all these things and then enter his glory? And it says in the beginning, and then beginning with Moses. So I can just see Jesus. I don't want to read too much into this, but like, can you just see Jesus be like, all right, so they have lost hope and something really cool is going to happen when we get to Emmaus. But right now I'm going to keep their eyes closed and I'm going to, we have a two hour walk. So I'm going to, I have to start all the way back, <laughs> all the way back at the very beginning, Moses. And I'm going to show them exactly everywhere in the scriptures that pointed to me. So they didn't know it was Jesus, but he's gonna show them everywhere. They, Jesus wanted them to trust the scriptures, trust the revelation of who Jesus was through the scriptures. They weren't always gonna have him with them. So they wanted him to, they wanted, he wanted them to see, see everywhere in the Bible that I am. Let's keep going. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus, I love this too. Jesus continued on as if he were going further, <laughs> but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So we went in and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks. He probably was like, I'm about to do something cool. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Their eyes, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Now, this type of recognizing is not like, you know, I recognize you. This type of recognize is, oh my God, you're alive. Like that, like, oh my God. And I said, then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, here's the kicker. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once. They didn't stay the night in Emmaus. At once to Jerusalem. So they went back those two, that two-hour walk. They probably ran. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together saying, it's true, the Lord has risen as appeared to Simon. 
Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was rec- the recognized. Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Where is the birthplace of this kind of hope? The hope, the hope secured that made them go, oh my gosh. And he disappeared. We gotta go back to Jerusalem. <laughs> what, what kind of, they were hopeless. Their, their faces were downcast. What, where's the birthplace of this kind of hope? It's in an encounter with Jesus, with his presence. For us today, when we have lost hope or we realize I've put my hope in something that is just gonna be fade away, our, the birthplace of this kind of hope that anchors us, that's strong, is in an encounter with Jesus, with his presence, being touched by the love of God for the first time. And when we, when I, whenever I've been asked, like, like when, Brittany, when did you get saved? Or like, when did you come to the faith? Or, or any, that kind of question. I always think two ages, right? Uh, some, some people have like this moment or some people like my husband is like, I kind of like always been saved. <laughs> but he does have like around 12, 13, 14. Like that's where like God really, you know, just like the hope was secure inside of him. I always think age eight, and um, 15. So eight, my parents, the very first church I ever went to was a, a little Baptist church in Winthrop, New York. If you think Cornwall's small, where I come from is small, okay? Really small. Um, I was like, whoa, Cornwall's so big when I moved here. Um, and so I went to a little tiny Baptist church, so thankful that my parents brought me to church. If you have kids downstairs, well done. <laughs> Kids need their parents to bring them to church. I'm so thankful that my parents did. And so at this little Baptist church, we had like Sunday school before church started. So we went to Sunday school and then we just like sat with our parents. And I remember there was one, I was like eight, like eight or nine. Um, I remember who the pastor was. And uh, I, I remember sitting, I can, I can see the, the like auditorium sanctuary so vividly. I was sitting in the wooden pew and the pastor was talking about Jesus. Don't remember at all what he was saying, but he was talking about Jesus and reading the scriptures, everything. And I wanted to cry. And I had been going for a while, but I remember like, you know, in the kind of you hold in a cry when you're like nose tingles and like your throat hurts and you're just like trying to hold that in. I remember holding it in because I had never seen any kids cry. Like I had seen adults cry at church, like a good cry. That's what I mean. Um, but I, I had this desire. I wanted to start crying because of what he was talking about. It's as if my eyes were opened as an eight-year-old. And I, ha- I didn't have the framework, really. I didn't, I didn't know what to do with it, so I just held it in. And I, but I remember listening to him talking about Jesus. And it was not my heart burning within me as that guy talked about Jesus and opened the scriptures to me at eight years old. And I ended up saying, like, praying with someone, getting saved, accepting Jesus when I was eight. And then fast forward to 15, um, you're just a bit more mature, you know, you're older. And I, my, my family, so thankful for this move too. My family heard about a church in Messina, New York, and that, um, like, was a spirit-filled church, like, kind of a crazy church, people speaking in tongues, raising their hands, what is up with that? My family ended up going to New Testament church. I am forever grateful. I even met Ryan there, my husband. <laughs> but we went to, to, and then that's what brought me here. It's just so cool how God does all of that. Um, but my family started going to this church, and it was all new to me. I was 15. You know, I walk in on a Sunday morning, woo, 
You know, there's a lot. I always think about that on Sunday mornings. You know, if, if it's someone's first time, that's a lot. <laughs> I was 15 going, whoa, you know, just a little crazy, you know, just what's happening here. Um, and, and Sunday mornings were good and great, but I was invited to the youth church um, by the pastor's daughter who became a great friend. I ended up spending 10 years, 15 to 25, at that church just growing and healing. And Jesus did so much in me, and then I moved here. Um, but I went to the youth church, and it was on Friday nights, and I remember the first time it was like, whoa. And then I just started ending, like I looked forward to going on Friday nights, and it was at that youth church that I had encounters with Jesus that marked me for the rest of my life, never turned back. And I remember just being in the room, you know, there was no t proper chairs to sit in or anything like that. Um, it was just like an open room. And, and I remember just having moments where it was kind of the norm too, it was dark in there too, but I, during worship, I couldn't even stand up. I laid right on the floor <laughs> and cried and cried and cried, good cry, that's what I mean, cried and cried and cried, experiencing in a 15-year-old way. Now I have a, more of a framework to understand this, and I had started going to like, you know, a, a spirit-filled church, understanding I am experiencing wave after wave of his love, and his, really, that's God's glory, his love, his compassion, his kindness, wave after wave over me at 15, and a hope was set in me. So those two times were really, really markers in my life. But where is this kind of hope? Where's the birthplace? It's having an experience with Jesus. So this birthplace, so as a community of hope, we have this hope inside of us. We've experienced Jesus. And what I was thinking, like, as people of hope, we kind of have like a posture of hope, right? Like, I was thinking, okay, what does the someone of hope look like? What, and I was thinking, it really is, we don't look to the side, look to the, we certainly don't look behind us, we look forward. When we're people of hope, we're looking forward, what's to come? And I, there's another verse I love, it could be another memory verse for you. Proverbs 4.25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Love that verse. Keep our eyes forward. But you can be like, okay, Brittany, I'm looking forward. What am I looking at? <laughs> As when we, when we walk with Jesus in this, in this journey of our faith, I'm telling you, right now, my future is black. I have no idea what's to come. But that's where faith comes in. Right? I'm gonna trust you, Jesus. I'm gonna just take a, take a step. I don't know what's to come. I'm just gonna trust what you've done before. I'm gonna trust your word. I'm gonna trust the promises that you've spoken to me. I'm just gonna keep going. So I look forward, but what are we looking at? We do have something secure that we can look at. Look at this verse, Hebrews 12, two. Let us fix our eyes on, that was weak. Let us fix our eyes on, Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endure, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, at the throne of God. So we have, this, we have this hope firm and secure. We have this posture of hope. We're looking forward. We're not looking back. We're not comparing ourselves. We're looking forward. We're looking at Jesus. Our eyes are fixed on him. What do we do with this hope? because we have a world around us that desperately needs what we have. And it is not a matter of 
of um, our perfection. You know, sometimes you're like, I can't share my faith because I am messed up myself, or I can't share my faith because I'm not perfect, or whatever. Our perfection has never been our claim, so we can't let that trip us up. Our, our claim is, while I was still dead in my sin, Jesus died for me. So I, I am not perfect, I am learning, God is creating good character in me, it's taken time, one step at a time, but this is, this is a journey. But what do we do with his hope because the world desperately needs what we have? So I was thinking two things, hope in action and hope in words. So hope in action, there's a really great quote. Um, you're gonna, many of you will recognize this. Preach the gospel, it's St. Francis, preach the gospel wherever you go. When necessary, use words. Isn't that good? Preach the gospel wherever you go. When necessary, use words. I love this because I think hope, I not think, no. (laughs) Hope in action needs to come before hope in words. Our actions, our lives are preaching. I loved what Karen spoke on last last week. Um, What does your life sound like? Like, what does our life look like? Our, our lives are always preaching. We don't need to use our words all the time. Now, I wanna read just some examples. Uh, Romans 12, 10 through 18. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can. And there's a version, another version that says, as far as it goes with you, as far as you can, live in peace with everyone. I'd also add, we can give hope to a world that desperately needs it by just when we visit someone in the hospital, right? When we help someone move. When we're honest with our taxes, when we're, when, we, when we're just honest, when it's hard to be honest. <laughs> when we do the right thing when no one's looking. I wanna tell you a story about cream cheese for a second. I know you came this morning to hear about cream cheese. So I was grocery shopping with all three children like a couple months ago, and uh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> and, uh, and they were great, but uh, so it, it was also raining. So the, a, a mom, oh yeah, you just, so all three kids, and it was raining, so I got all, it was a big load, I got out to the, the van, like get the kids in, get the groceries in and everything, and I, um, and I go to get Sterling out of the, what's it called, car seat. I get the car seat, get, grab the car seat to clip it into the, the, into the van, and I see a brick of cream cheese that got tucked under his car seat. <laughs> Once again, three kids raining. So I'm like, oh, no stupid cream cheese. So I, um, I'm like, okay, guys, you gotta, and so immediately I'm like, okay, this is a really good learning experience for the kids, right? Like, 
Um, I'm just gonna like, okay, guys, you gotta actually, we're gonna unbuckle, we're gonna get back into the cart. <laughs> and Evers is like, Mom, like, I thought we already got groceries. I know, but so actually see this cream cheese? <laughs> it was tucked under Sterling's car seat and, and it was just like a beautiful, you know, great learning experience for the kids. Like, mommy just like, we didn't buy it. And so we gotta bring it back. And um, we're not, don't worry, we're not gonna wait in line again to buy it. We're just gonna give it to the, the store clerk because we didn't buy it. And if we kept it, what would that be? That would be like you're stealing, right? But so it was like a really good learning experience for the kids. So get back in the rain and get into the, in, into the um, store. And, um, and so I like go up to the, <laughs> the thing and, and I'm like, hey, I, here, here's cream cheese. <laughs> and she's like, huh? And I'm like, I uh, just like, it was tucked under his, his car seat. I didn't pay for it. And I, I'm not gonna wait around. You know, I'm not gonna, I don't need it. We will do without the cream cheese, okay? This week. So here's the cream cheese. I didn't pay for it. I just, here you go. And I'm like thinking, I gotta like go, like in, out, right? With your kids. And, but she, the lady, it's as if I gave her like $1,000. I handed her $1,000. She's like, What? Thank you. Oh my gosh. You know, she's like <laughs> amazing. I realized, I remember in that moment, this is not just a learning experience for my kids. This is hope in action. I didn't think hope in action, but this is the kingdom of God. This is what it means. It is not just on a Sunday morning, which is good. Worship is wonderful. I'm not saying, I'm not being facetious in that way. Worship is powerful. It shapes us. It shapes me. It shapes us. It shakes the atmosphere. Exactly what Karen just said. But our actions, our actions bring hope to the world. This woman was so caught off guard that I would bring cream cheese back. Let's bring the cream cheese back, guys. Let's bring hope to a hurting world that, honestly, she just said like, she's just like, what you would act like, oh my gosh. So that's my story of cream cheese. And it is this verse I love, 2 Corinthians 2.15, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. God wants us to be a pleasing aroma. We can stink and grab the cream cheese and be like, whatever, I already spent $400, just throw it in there. Or we can be a pleasing aroma and just do the hard thing, walk back in, give, and bring hope to a world. Did I have to say, this is hope in action, I hope in words, you don't even need words. If, we would, if I would have said, so hi, I'm a Christian and Christians are supposed to be honest. So here's the cream cheese. I don't need, you don't need to say anything, just do it. Just do it. And it be hope in action, hope. She's probably like, there's hope for humanity. You know, <laughs> someone would bring the dang cream cheese back, right? Like, so a sweet aroma to God Number one, I wanna honor God by bringing the cream cheese back, but also a sweet aroma to the people around us. So there's hope in action, but then there are times when we use words, right? When we share our faith or we give an explanation for you know, what's going on, why, what's different about you. So there's a verse, 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope. That, that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. I wanna dig into this a bit. I've never had anyone in my life say, you know, someone who like doesn't know God be like, Brittany, give me an account of the hope that you have. No one's ever said that. What do they usually say? Something's different about you. Like what, 
But it's like, you're not swearing all the time. Or like, you and Ryan like actually like like each other. What is, or like, what, what, how long do you spend at church on a Sunday morning? (laughs) What do you do? There's, no one's ever asked, okay, like what's give give an account for the hope that you have. But that's when I use words, right? That's when we share. Now we can be saved, we can accept Jesus and be saved for 24 hours and have a story to get tell. Or we can be saved for 30 years and have a story to tell. We can all, we all share our faith. Um, but how do we do this with gentleness and respect? How do we do share our faith, give it account for the hope that we have with gentleness and respect? Just by telling our story. My story of hope. We're not preaching at someone. We're just telling our story of hope. And... We can call this evangelizing, preach the gospel, share our faith, whatever, but it is just us telling our story of hope. Now, we wanna do this with gentleness and respect. So Jesus gives us a really good tip. Isn't it great when the tip comes like straight from him? It is Matthew 10, 16. It's the King James Version. I liked it the best. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents, and harmless as doves. Why in the world would Jesus want us to be like a serpent? Aren't snakes evil? <laughs> no. So he wants us to be like a serpent. He, the wisdom of a serpent. What is the wisdom of a serpent? Have you ever seen a snake chasing after something? No, not typically. The wisdom of the serpent is to wait. Wait for something to come. And so... You're also not, so the wisdom of the serpent, timing is everything. There's an appropriate time to share our faith. There's an appropriate time. And I wanna tell you a really what not to do story, okay? Um, I was not a sweet aroma, okay, in this story. I, uh, Ryan and I, when we were 18, we did an internship over at New Testament Church. We did like took Bible classes and did lots of missions trips and it was wonderful and um and uh, one of our trips was NYSEM which is the New York School of Urban Ministry and that place it was so good like we like fed the homeless and you know as an 18 year old I had never been to New York City and just seen you know the the just the ministry that happened there so feeding the homeless like we worked with like street kids on the street it was super good but it was one there was one really there was one part that was horrible. <laughs> and it was the day that we did subway ministry. So what we had to do for this, we got no training for it, but what we had to do was we were like, okay, the, the, the main person was like, okay, what you're gonna do is you're gonna, we're gonna wait until the subway stops, the doors are open, you're gonna all come in. When the doors close, you stand up and start preaching. <laughs> now, we didn't have to do it, but guess who, the two people who did it, Ryan and I, we were made for each other. It was, we were just so dumb to do that. But we, so I was like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. So I get in this subway and you know, it was, it was before AirPods, right? So everyone had their like, their like things. And so I, I stand up. I mean, I'm not like, get saved or you're going to hell. Like, that's not what I, not at all. But like, I just, I started telling my story and like, I really, I just told my story and that's what they said. Let's just tell your story. And so I stood up, I had to talk really loud because it's loud in there and I was sweating bullets. I stunk up that place so bad because the timing was not good. I can imagine people were like, shut up. 
I'm just going to work. Like, I mean, maybe, I don't know until I get to heaven, maybe someone like totally got saved that day. I don't know, maybe. But I don't think that's the wisdom of the serpent. The time I had no relationship with anyone in that that subway and God totally could use it, but not the best, not the best. So timing is everything the wisdom of the serpent, but we also wanna be harmless as doves. Doves are about as harmless as they get, right? They're a symbol of peace. So when we pair together the wisdom of the serpent, timing it, there's an appropriate time, and the harmlessness of a dove, we can share our faith, share our story, evangelize, whatever, in a respectful, in a gen- with gentleness and respect. Now I have some, that was a bad story, right? Uh, what not to do. But I do have some super cool stories that I wanna end and share with you um, of ways, you know, I, I don't know, you could say it's like evangelism or whatever, but I really see it as times in my life where God has used me to bring hope to a hurting world. And a lot, a lot of times it was people that I didn't even know. Um, so one cool story is uh, I was on my way to work. I was like, I don't know, like 20 or something. I worked at, at a restaurant. Um, I, I waited tables from 15 all the way to 24. Paid for, you know, for school, my first car and all that. Just like, but I waited tables. So I was on my way to work one night. I was just like praying, talking to God on the way to work. Probably just praying for good tips, you know? Um, yes, <laughs> pray for good tips. So I was just praying and, and all of a sudden, I was almost to, to the restaurant that I worked at and a, a picture popped in my head. And it was just just like of someone's arm and their wrist was all wrap, wrapped up. And I was like, oh no, God, like, okay. Like, I just thought, okay, all right. So I'm like, God, I just like, if that's you, like, give me the courage. I feel like you probably want me to pray for somebody. Side note, really quick. My, this restaurant was a very, very t- small little restaurant and, the, and I knew the bo- my boss personally and he went to our church. So it was appropriate to, to possibly pray for someone. At work, we, right, timing is everything. It may not always be a, an appropriate time to share our faith or pray for someone. So I just wanna let you know that backstory. <laughs> he was totally fine with that. Anyway, I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna have to pray for somebody. So the night went on, you know, it's busy, I'm waiting on tables, and sure enough, this older couple, this elderly couple come in, and I've waited on them multiple times, knew them by name, and I, um, they come in, and didn't her arm look exactly like the picture that popped in my head? And I'm like, shoot, is my shift done? <laughs> oh no, because come on, I didn't want to, right? Like, it's uncomfortable, and I'm gonna look like a weirdo, and, and I, I, I don't want to, and all that, and, but I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this, just step out, and uh, not wait for the, yay, this is exciting, but just do it. So I, um, she sat, like, in my section, so I, I'm like, hi, want something to drink, you know? And, and so I get, her, get their drinks, and I come back, and I'm like, and I, I had learned, actually, from, um, like, a, like a, a training, how to approach people and just some tips. And so I used those tips. And so I said, hey, I get, don't remember her name. I'm like, this is gonna sound really weird because this is gonna sound really weird, right, to them. But I'm like, I, I was just heading, I was just driving here tonight and I had this picture pop into my head um, and I was praying. I told her I was just praying for the night and I had this picture pop in my head of someone's wrist that was all wrapped up exactly like yours. And I'm like, and I really felt like God just wanted me to pray for the person who had 
uh, a hurt wrist and just tell them that he loved them and that he was thinking about them. And didn't, and I'm like, so is it okay if I pray for you? Now I didn't put my hands on her. I didn't even close my eyes and it was super quick. But, and she said, I've actually never had anyone say no to me praying for them. But she goes, she's like, yes. And so I just prayed, prayed healing for her wrist and just prayed, like doted on her for not even a minute, like 30 seconds. That older woman starts crying. We have something that the world needs. Like it's a 20 second prayer. And she just, you know what she starts talking to? She's like, oh, you know what, sweetie? I, I went to a Catholic church when I was little. You know, people often start talking about church, right? I said nothing about church. <laughs> and like, and she starts talking about her childhood in the Catholic church. I don't know, her, her wrist was not healed. And, but she knew in that moment Oh, God thought about me. We have something that the world needs. A hope. We have this, a hope that is strong and secure. Another story real quick is happened here not too long ago. Like that was back when I was 20, but not too long ago here. I, um, uh, it was another just picture that popped in my head. Someone, I saw someone and I did not know her at all. And she, uh, I had, I just saw her and I, like a picture popped in my head and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for her. So I went over, hey, can I, I don't have to say, is it weird? Cause we're in church, right? <laughs> but I was like, can I pray for you? Yeah, sure. I'm Brittany. Can I, is it okay if I pray for you? So the picture that popped in my head was a bouquet of flowers. And um, I just like, just real quick, just like this bouquet of flowers. And um, that's all I had. And I'm like, oh, but I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna step out and just pray for her. Like, what's the harm? We're in church, you know, it's not like a restaurant. We're in church, so I go and she, um, and so I pray for her, but as I'm praying for her, I get like another little picture in my head, this bouquet and all the greenery and this, this florist was putting this bouquet together. And he wasn't quite happy with it though. So I just had this, like this picture of like, um, <clears throat> He like grabs a beautiful rose and puts it right in the middle. And he's like, oh, there, it's beautiful, it's perfect. And I just felt like God was like, so I just, as I'm praying, I'm like, I just feel like God is saying like, you are that rose in the, in the middle of the bouquet that completes it. You are the most beautiful one. And like, I just like t praying and then just prayed a couple other things. And I just like, I did close my eyes. I did have my hand on her that time because we were in church. Um, and I, so I take my hand off and, um, Sure enough, now I don't think people need to cry all the time. That is fine if you're not a crier. I'm actually, I do cry, but like not as much anymore. I don't know. Maybe I'm too tired with three kids or something. But like I, um, she, I open my eyes. Her body is like shaking, crying. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, I hope it was okay. And she's like, oh my gosh. She goes, five years ago, someone prayed the same exact thing that there, I, there's a bouquet and I am the rose in the middle of the bouquet. And so I'm like, thank you for telling me that. So I, like, I'm encouraged, right? This is a community. I'm encouraged. I'm like, oh, I heard from God. <laughs> like, yay, yay. I'm, I, I don't get it right sometimes, but sometimes I do. Hallelujah. I'm like, yay, that's awesome. And, but but I, I dug right in deeper. I'm like, okay then. He is like, tonight, I told her, I, it was a night thing. I'm like, he, it's like a megaphone tonight. I love you. I, he's saying this to you. This is how he feels about you. That two times people would pray this. This is how he feels about you. Hope 
when people need it, right? One more story, are you ready? I know, Ryan was like, you don't need that many stories. I'm like, I got it, it's just, this is on the streets. Okay, so I used to do these weird things with, um, I have a good friend, Jess Hurlbut. Jessica Hurlbut, she's uh, the pastor's wife over at New Testament Church now. Um, good friend of mine, and we used to do these things. <laughs> I, was, I was a teenager then, like an older teenager, like 18, 19, whatever. And um, we were like, hey, like, let's just like get together. This is what we did for fun. Let's get together and like, just like play a worship song and like see if God tells us anything and then just like go for a walk and see if like God brings us anybody or whatever. And uh, so I, we did this, we, we just turned on a worship song. There was one other person with us and I can't remember who it was, but we all went to our separate spots and after the worship song, we came together. We're like, did God tell you anything? Did God tell you anything? And like, they had such cool things, like super like, like Bible verses and like real like spiritual stuff. Guess what I had? The thing that popped in my head. Tinkerbell. So from Peter Pan, right? Tinkerbell. And I'm like embarrassed to say, yeah, okay, Tinkerbell. That's the only thing that popped in my head. So I'm like, that's nothing. So I'll just go with them. Like, I'm just gonna go with them and see them pray for people and just learn from them. Like, and so once again, gentleness and respect. We're not chasing after people. We're just going for a walk. And we're like, if, if no one pops up, if no one comes to us and we're not gonna pray for anybody, but we'll do this like in, in a gentle way. And, and so we're going for a walk. And didn't you guys... Didn't we run into someone with this blue sweatshirt on? And I look, she looks straight at me and she turns and Tinkerbell all down the side of her, of her <laughs> sweatshirt. And so I'm like, shoot. <laughs> so I go to her once again, same story, same kind of story. Pray for her on the streets. Hope to a world that desperately needs it. So we have this hope as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure, and God wants us to use, wants to use us to bring the hope, not just to keep it in, right? To bring hope with gentleness and respect, harmless as a dove and wise as a serpent. And we want people to have this hope because we know how the story ends, right? We know in the end, in the midst of struggle and trial, Jesus himself says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace, John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Not you might, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Hardship here only like kind of makes sense in light of what's to come. We can only grapple with it, right? Things in my life, things that have happened, you're like, I can't, I can't quite like, but there is hope. We have this hope in heaven that we cling to. First Peter 1, 6, love this. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. There's wonderful joy ahead. So I just wanna ask this morning, where is your hope this morning? Many of you, I'm sure your hope is in Jesus. You are anchored in heaven. He is your hope. But if he's not, I want you to just think, where is my hope this morning? Have I made Jesus my hope? Is he the anchor for my soul? We're gonna pray together for those that we always, at the end of the service, all the time, we, every Sunday, we try to remember, sometimes we don't, <laughs> try to pray and give people an opportunity to make Jesus their hope, to give Jesus their lives. Just like when I was eight and 15, was not my heart burning within me? 
as that pastor was talking about Jesus and he opened the scriptures to me, that's what it feels like a lot of times. We say like, well, it's not always a feeling, but sometimes it is. It's like, wasn't I, was not my heart burning within me? If your heart is burning within you in that sense, we are gonna pray. Acts 4, 12, salvation is found in no one else. It is only Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is nothing else that can save us. So we're gonna pray. Everyone close your eyes. Jesus, thank you for loving me. I believe you are God. I believe you died on the cross and rose again to save me from my sin. You are the way, the truth, and the life. I want the new life you bring. Come into my life and make me brand new. I start, I trust you starting today. Amen. Did anyone pray that for the first time this morning? No, okay, I wanna pray again, okay? I had this thought, there's a lot of people who already have Jesus as their hope. Everything I'm saying, you're nodding. Yep, he is my hope, he is my hope. We're gonna pray one more time, you're gonna repeat after me. This is a prayer for all of you who have Jesus as their hope again, already, but want your eyes opened fresh. Who doesn't want that? I want my eyes open fresh like these disciples. I want my eyes to be opened. <gasps> oh, that's who you are. I needed to be reminded. I needed you fresh. We need a fresh inpouring of the Holy Spirit. So let's close our eyes again and let's pray this. Jesus, Jesus. thank you. How about let's stand up actually. Let's stand up. Jesus, Jesus. thank you for who you are. Thank you, for who you, are. you have been so faithful to me. You are my hope, the anchor of my soul, the firm foundation I stand on. But I need something new this morning. Would you come and open my eyes? I wanna see you. I wanna know you more. Come into my life in a fresh new way. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a great song. Stay standing just for a couple more minutes. We're going to sing a great song called Anchor. Everything that we sing in this song is pretty much what we just talked about. Have a good morning.
Oh, your promise unshaking. 
service, we have this hope that people need. So as you go throughout your week, take it with you. Be open to how the Holy Spirit may want to use you. Was that not so good? Thank you, Britt. An incredible word, incredible word. I'm just going to ask that the prayer ministry team make your way to the front right now. And I love what Britt said at the beginning, that this journey with Jesus, walking with Jesus, is not meant to be walked alone. And I really encourage you, maybe you need prayer for something this morning. We have an amazing team of people who are ready to stand with you, agree with you in prayer. So don't miss out. Line up if you need to. But also, why not stay a couple minutes, just mingle with somebody, get to know somebody a little better. Let's not do this life alone. We are the beautiful community. Let me pray for you as we go this morning. Jesus, we just thank you for an incredible day in your house. God, these words that have been spoken over us, God, may we soak them in. May we live them out even as we step out the door this afternoon, God. May we carry your hope into this world, Lord Jesus. We thank you that we have our hope in you, Jesus. We love you, God. We thank you for what you're doing in your powerful name, Jesus. Everybody said, amen. We love you, Harvest. Have an amazing week. Bring back the cream cheese.